0: This is Financial Standard, the definitive source of news, thought leadership and analysis for Australian wealth management professionals. Financial Standard, take the lead.
1: Hello and welcome. I'm Chloe Walker with Financial Standard. Following the bond market bloodbath and an unflattering performance in 2022, fixed income had somewhat of a renaissance in 2023 as investors searched for certainty amid volatility. But will this persist in 2024? today to explain the current landscape and give his opinion on what's in store for the next 12 months. I am joined by UBS Managing Director and Head of Australian Fixed Income, Tim Van Claveren. Tim, thank you for joining
0: us. Yeah, Hi, Chloe, and really uh, appreciate being invited to uh, come along to discuss the uh, markets with you.
1: Yeah, great to have you. Um, so, Tim, looking back, how did fixed income perform in 2023, considering that last year was a real challenge for the asset class?
0: Yeah, a very uh, interesting question and a, and a great place, I think, to start this discussion. I think for most of the, uh, the viewers, they would uh, fully remember what happened in, in 2022, as you say. At its worst point, the Australian Composite Bond Fund, which is the benchmark uh, index that most managers manage to, uh, at its worst point, it lost 11.5%. Uh, this is for a fairly defensive asset class, um, so I think that was a bit of a, a shock to a lot of investors, and uh, probably twice as bad as the previous worst year back in nineteen ninety four. So when you put things in a historical context, it was a it was a, a bad year. Um, I think you know what's happened so far for two thousand and twenty three. I think for a lot of investors, I think this year probably has been uh, disappointing in terms of returns. I think um, you know, people definitely said this year would be better than last. Yeah. Uh, but I think the returns uh, that they would have expected would have been higher than where we are at the moment. But I will say the year isn't ended. So uh, mm-hmm. as of October, uh, the AusBond Composite Index had delivered a negative 1.18% return uh, for the one-year number. So again, another negative rather than a, a positive number than people would have ex- been expecting. But in November, uh, yields have have fallen and continue to fall. So this monthly number is looking a lot more positive and highly likely that that return then will turn positive and we'll see what December brings. Uh, So hopefully by the time we get to uh, Christmas and New Year's Eve uh, that the yearly number looks a lot better than it does at the end of October.
1: Yes, fingers crossed. And it's interesting that you mentioned sort of that underwhelming performance um, for the fixed income market this year. What factors impacted that narrative? And then I guess now that it's looking a bit more positive, what do you think is um, behind the performance changing from negative or underwhelming to positive?
0: It's been an interesting year and a very volatile year. Yes. Uh, So the outlook for bonds, I think that most people had definitely played out in Q1. Uh, yields fell quite aggressively and that was on the back of all the troubles in uh, the US regional bank um, sector that people would be uh, fully aware of. Mm -hmm. But then once we got through that scenario uh, and global economies looked a lot more robust and inflation remained a bit more stickier, uh, yields from that point started to rise again uh, back to the previous highs uh, back towards, say, August this year. Uh, What then, I think, surprise of the market was that through September and in October, uh, yields rose about another 100 basis points from their previous highs or close to it. And that was very much driven, as you ask, around uh, very much more the US. Uh, the Fed started to talk a lot more hawkish. Um, I think markets started to become a bit more concerned that there were further rate hikes to come, whereas previously they thought we were at or close to the peak. And then a lot of that was driven by um, US fiscal policy where yeah, the US government, even though the Fed's tightening, the US government is still spending a, a lot of money. That means they have to issue a lot of bonds as well. So I think that spooked the market and that drove uh, bond yields higher.
1: Yeah, that, that makes sense.
0: Yeah, and, 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 and y- yields, yields touched 5%. So I think that uh, spooked a lot of investors.
1: Yeah. Definitely. Um, so there's a bit of debate on whether a global recession will hit. If it does, Tim, how do you expect it will impact the asset class and how will it be reflected in the pricing of the fixed income market?
0: Yeah, another very good question. Um, we're not necessarily focused. I think a lot of people at the start of the year were probably forecasting, especially the US, would be in recession by the second half of this year or yeah. early next to the latest. Uh, but the, I think, from an economic perspective, you know, what has surprised the market has been that growth has held up a lot more firm than what people had expected. And on the corporate side, um, corporates are still, you know, been able to retain a lot of their margins, as in pass their costs through to consumers, and they stay still fairly profitable. So, uh, yeah, it's it's kind of uh, growth growth has been kind of more surprising up to now. Um, so, look, looking into next year. Um, our base case is not for a hard recession. Definitely growth will be softer. Maybe we get a, uh, a, a mild recession, um, but we're not forecasting anything too dramatic, especially if the Fed keeps its rate policy here where it is at the moment. Um, if rates go up further from this point, that then changes, but we, we don't think that is likely to occur. in In Australia... It's been a bit of a, a different story, an interesting story. So we would never, foreca- we never forecast a recession here, and we're not forecasting one for next year. Uh, and the key factors there are around uh, net migration and our external account. And I think that's been a, a surprise locally that uh, it, if, you, if you look at what's happening here from an economic perspective, if you look n- from a nominal perspective or per capita, you get a vastly different story. So from a nominal perspective, things still look pretty robust. They are slowing, but the numbers are still uh, pretty good. Uh, But a lot of that's been driven by net migration. So it's the 600-odd thousand new migrants that have come into the country that have uh, kept demand uh, very strong. If, though, you look at, uh, on a per capita, uh, things, uh, you know, you get a, a totally different picture. Uh, So next year again, because of this element of net net migration, we think that nominal uh, growth and spending will, you know, be below trend, but still hold hold up. Uh, But on a per capita basis, or even when you measure, uh, say, consumption on on a real basis, I think those statistics will start to show you that there there is a we we could already be in a recession um, on those metrics. I think uh, if you're a a, a local. homeowner with a mortgage and a consumer, I think you'll be very much feeling the pinch next year and it will feel like a recession, even though, the, as I said, the nominal numbers may not show that
1: yeah yep I mean, on the brighter side, <laughs> there is speculation that fixed income might outperform equities given the diverse spectrum of investment options available, um including you know term deposits, government bonds, corporate bonds, capital notes, and income securities which might withstand market challenges. Um, what's your opinion on that, and what is the projected risk profile in comparison for both fixed income and equities?
0: yeah no, another very good question. I think if you you yeah, going back to your one of your earlier questions around this year. So, any fixed income fund with duration or long duration um, up until end of October was probably printing um, annual annual returns negative or uh, slightly positive. But the sweet spot to be has been short dated credit. So, if you're in short dated credit funds, then the returns okay. have been far more attractive so you know you could be talking a six or seven percent return rather than a minus one percent return
1: why is that uh
0: because credit has performed very strongly this year because the you know the uh, macro backdrop's been quite um, positive uh corporates are still being able to pass through any margin pressure onto consumers and consumers have been willing to pay the the cost increases yeah Uh, so yeah corporate fundamentals even though they've been weakening they've weakened at a slower pace than I think most people would have thought. And that's why equities for this year have also performed in a relative sense a lot better than what people probably would have thought. Mm. I think looking into next year though, um, it could be a different story because if you're expecting weaker growth um, and inflation will continue to come down, then you know the possibility of central banks cutting rates come into play. And I think in the US, you would you know, pencil in maybe Q3, Q4. You may start to see some rate cuts over there uh, for the RBA. It'll be interesting to see again um, if we see rate cuts here. But usually historically, you see a rate cut about nine months after the last hike. So, yeah, as we saw the last hike uh, in November on Melbourne Cup Day, uh, <laughs> little if you didn't win at the races, you definitely lost on your mortgage. <laughs> <laughs> um, speculation, maybe they go again in February. We don't think that's the case. But if the market starts to think that the RBA will put in uh, cuts sometime next year, then normally what you find is that bond yields should start to rally. So the way the economic cycle plays out, as you get into softer growth and the risk of recession, uh, markets will start to pricing rate cuts and therefore uh, longer bonds. Yields should fall and prices should go up. So yeah, our expectations would be that next year, uh, the outlook for uh, fixed income funds with duration in them should be a, a good place to park if your money. Uh, now, compared to other products like turn deposits or income securities, you don't benefit. You may lock in a, a yield for a particular point in time, but you don't benefit from yields falling. And the way that maths work, if you have a, a bond with a six year duration, if yields fall a percent, you'll get the running yield plus the six percent capital profit. So the running yield is say caught four and a half percent plus six, you'll get ten and a half percent return. Now locking your money into a term deposit for six months at five percent may look attractive, but that's less attractive than if you put your money into a, a bond fund.
1: Yeah, yeah, right. Oh, thank you for explaining that. And do you have any other predictions um, for how fixed income will perform next year? Or even into 2025?
0: Look, I think it's going to be, like this year, it's going to be a volatile market. Um, yeah. So it won't be a one-way direction. Um, so I think investors have to really pretty much put your money in for the long game. You
1: said that, um, yeah.
0: Yeah. Like it's, and the big thing driving markets, I think, is that the fact that most central banks, if not all, are at the peak of the rate hiking cycle. And that's usually the best time to put your money into fixed income. So, uh, yeah, we think that uh, it's a, a great place to be. The the other benefits of um, you know fixed income, I think, for a lot of investors to to consider, and and this wasn't the case two years ago when yields were at historical lows, as you can remember. You know, three year bonds were at ten basis points. The, the income, the yield, the capital protection wasn't you know very uh, positive. Whereas where we see yields at the moment, you're at decade highs, and what does fixed income deliver? It delivers the steady income stream that investors need. If you hold the the bonds to maturity, it gives you capital protection. Um, but also if you hold a multi-sector portfolio, so you have other growth assets in your portfolio like equities and other risky assets, uh, fixed income works as a diversifier. Um, this didn't occur in 2022, um, but we think those uh, historical characteristics are back for the asset class. And I think the big thing for Australia That as we move out of that accumulation phase, where you invest a lot of money more in growth assets like equities and and property, as you move more into that retirement phase, what should be important to people is capital stability and income, and and fixed income is that one of one of those asset classes that can deliver that for investors.
1: Yeah, you're absolutely right, Tim. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to share your insights. Um, I've certainly learned a lot and um, it was great to have you on the show. Thank you. I
0: appreciate the uh, invite to to talk and uh, we'll we'll catch up soon. Thank you. Yes,
1: sounds great. (laughs) Go Bonds. Yes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Cheers. Thanks for listening to this Financial Standard podcast. For more information, visit financialstandard.com.au. Please keep in mind that the information discussed in this podcast is general in nature and does not consider personal circumstances. Reliance should not be placed on any content without further independent financial research and advice.